If you enjoy the show, share it with a friend. If you don't enjoy the show, I don't believe you. And share it with a friend. <laughs> Come on, nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 262 of Combos Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button, man. We here at Combos Court would greatly appreciate it. Today's show, CP the Franchise CEO of Knicks Fan TV, joins in to talk Knicks basketball. Just a fantastic conversation with CP. Go subscribe to CP's YouTube channel, Knicks Fan TV. You know you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's Oni, T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. franchise of Knicks Fan TV. Welcome to Combos Court, man. How are you feeling today? Andrew, I'm doing all right, man. How's everything going? You must be feeling good. I'm doing great. You must be feeling good about the Knicks, man. Man, every day. You know, 10 out of the last 11, 5-1 and one in this last homestand. You know, all the milestones that they're achieving, similar to the Knicks tape team. That was my last favorite Knicks team. And so it's just, a, it's just a great story. Great story for the NBA. Great for New York. The fans are passionate about this team. They love how they're fighting, how they're defending, playing physical. You know, small, small similarities to the 90s team, just playing with that pride and playing with that passion for the orange and blue. CP, is it fair that you're the voice of the Knicks fan? Are you? No, I, I wouldn't say that, man. I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like to take that type of credit. You know, our fan base is, is rich in history. You have our OGs. I call them the OG <clears throat> guys who have seen all the good moments of the Knicks from the 70s on down. You know, you have that old guard there who I love to talk to and, and interact with. Then you have the younger the, the younger crowd and then the guys in the middle, you know, guys around my age that have lived through, that started kind of through the 90s Knicks and through the last 20 years of, of losing. So, you know, the fan base is very diverse. They're very passionate. I just feel like I created a platform for us to come together as a community and talk about the games, talk about the news, the rumors, the ins and outs, comings and goings. And that's that's the lane that I, I like to stay. And I, I feel like I'm one of many, but just with a platform to give us all a voice on the team. You're paying your respects. I appreciate that. I definitely appreciate that. So let's take it back to you. What were your earliest memories of uh, your Knicks fandom? Man, earliest memories were the wars, man, the rivalries. You know, I felt like I, I was I was born into Knicks Bulls and, you know, the thrill of victory and a lot of agony of defeat by the hands of Michael Jordan and, and Scotty and those guys. And remembering the Charles Smith game, the dunk, which, which is right behind me, you know, those memories, you remember where you were for all those games and who you were with and what happened. And it's an unscripted book. And that was the, the 90s Knicks, man. And, and you're watching basketball. You're at an age where you're starting to make sense of the game. And you see this team that is just tough, physical, fighting every single night. And they're wearing that New York across the chest. And those are your heroes. You know what I mean? Those are the guys that are representing you, representing your city. Uh, my family's from Jamaica. So Patrick Ewan being a Jamaican uh, uh, citizen, you know, we, we rally behind him. 
you know, big time, hardcore. So that was my team. There was no other team I was going to root for. That was my team. And it was just those early memories, man. Knicks versus Bulls, Knicks versus Pacers on, on NBC. Ultimately, Knicks versus Heat. You know, the rivalry with, with Pat Riley and and him going down to Miami, making a carbon copy of the Knicks. You know, it all <laughs> uns, all unscripted, but it was like that hero villain type of story, man. It, it was like a comic book. And, and it was just... It, it was just, you know, those memories to me are just, you can't, uh, it can't be duplicated. You know, that Nick team, those Nick teams, I don't feel like there's any other team in, in the history of the NBA whose uh, playoff games or experiences are remembered for years to come and they didn't even result in championships. You know, you know what I mean? That's true. Where there was the, the Charles Smith game, Houston shot, LG's four-point play, all the brawls with Miami. You know, you, you still remember those times. And are you talking? Are you talking about that Charles Smith game? Yeah. That I'm yeah. thinking about. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. that was tough. It was tough, right? It was tough. But my point is, is that <laughs> you, know, you always remember the champions as you go back in time. But with the Knicks, it's you. You remember those tough moments and some good ones, and yet and still they never even won a championship. But that's how much you know those highlights and those memories are ingrained in NBA history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's retro talk. I remember all of that. So who were the Knicks when you first started your platform? What was the team when you first started your platform? And what year was that around? I went out to MSG in June of 2017. I had a little cam- a tripod from Amazon and my phone. I said, I'm starting this channel. I want to capture Knicks fans' opinions and, and the passion of the Knicks fan base and build a YouTube channel off of it. And that was the draft. That was the Frank draft. So I came out there, went and talked to people at that time before the draft. There was it's been that long already, bro. It's been that long. Wow. That's crazy. Time yeah. flies. It's been that long. And, yeah. And during that time, you know, there was rumors that Phil wanted to trade Porzingis. So as soon as I got out of Penn Station, I'm up in at MSG. I'm talking to people and we're talking, well, are they going to trade Porzingis to Phoenix? They want Booker and such and such. And then they, they draft Frank. And then I get the disappointment of the fans, the reactions there. You know, people wanted Mitchell. And uh, and that's basically how, the, how that started. So it was the time. It was Porzingis' team. And they had just drafted Frank. And that's when Knicks Fan TV really kicked off. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's really grown. It's really grown. It's great to see. You're doing great work. Your season, man. Your season. Like, you know, I've been doing this podcast thing a long time. And I pay attention to the little things like, not a lot of repeatable words, no ums, no, your season, bro. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, you, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard. You work on it on a, on a daily basis. Right, least, right. You know what I mean? I, I try to just go back and, and correct things and just always try to get better, always try to improve, whether it's content, equipment, interviewing skills, whatever yeah. the case may be. I, I just try to get better and work on my craft on a daily basis. Most definitely. It's all about working on your craft. What were your expectations going into this season? Because I'm sure you didn't expect this, right? 26 wins. You know, when Whoa. Vegas, when, tw- when Vegas said 22, I said, all right, I'll give them a couple more. I'll say 26 because I saw the same team as last year. I yeah. saw the same exact team as last year. That team won 21 games out of the 65 that they played. And I just wasn't too thrilled. RJ was okay, but he wasn't efficient. I know I said, he's got to work on his free throw shooting. He's got to become a better three point shooter. He's done that this year. And this team is winning as a result. Julius, the stats were there. He would put up his double doubles here and there every night, but he wasn't making winning plays. And he was abysmal from three point territory. He was about 29% from three. Wasn't making his teammates better, making terrible decisions, turning the ball over. So I said, 
I, I don't really know about him. And then, you know, I did not expect this team to play as good as defense as they played now and maintain that for yeah. now three quarters of the season. They've dropped no worse than maybe fourth or fifth ranked defense in the league. I believe right now they're about fourth. And I had no idea. I mean, this team was 23rd in defense last year. So that ha- has been incredible. At also, during that, uh, that nine-game run, they've had a number one ranked offense in the league. So the offense is on an uptick, three-point shooting uh, fifth in three-point percentage. So I didn't expect any of that, bro. And that's why I picked 26 wins. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you talk about them maintaining their defense. I'm more surprised that they maintain the shooting because a lot of smart minds were saying this is not, this is not sustainable. No, yeah, I didn't think it was sustainable. I went on with uh, Ian Begley during the preseason, and when I gave my 26 Shouts to Ian, for win, sure. Shout out yeah. to Ian, man. Great guy. When I gave my prediction for 26 wins, I said, I think this offense is going to struggle. I think they're going to struggle to score. I did not think that they would be able to, um, you know, be on the rise as they are now, but also their defense is so good that they're always in games because they play hard. They play together this year, as compared to last, you very rarely see them make that mistake on defense where they're, they're pointing at each other. Like, was that your guy? Was that your guy? Last year was a lot of that. It was a lot of confusion. It was a lot of blown assignments, blown coverage this year. They're very disciplined. They're very sound. The chemistry is there you know, from one year to the next. So it's just a lot of surprises, man. But I'm proud of what this team is doing. No doubt about it. When you look at Julius Randle's game, what differences do you see? I think the shooting has opened up everything for him. He's playing with a lot more poise and he's making all the right passes at the right time. What do you see? Let me tell you something, man. When I watch Julius on in MSG go to work, I can't help but sometimes seeing Melo in terms of an offensive arsenal. It's been that good. And Melo's been, you know, Mel, there's, you, can't re, you can't duplicate Melo's offensive repertoire. You just can't. Right, one of right. the greatest offensive weapons to ever play the game. You know, the, the star players in the league will tell you that much. But when I see Julius go to work, it's almost like that this year. You know, yeah. pull up from three. Uh, he's leading the league in baseline efficiency. Just, just getting to his spots at will, pulling up like last night against the Chicago Bulls. I mean... There was nothing they could do to stop him. When he gets into a zone, he he just does what he wants to do. Against the Raptors, same thing. I mean, he's just been lights out. The three-point shooting, as you said, it was 29% last year. He's up to 40-plus percent this year. This month, he's averaging 27 points, nine rebounds, and over 42% from three. I mean, he's in a class with Nikola Jokic and Larry Bird as the only players to average, potentially average if he finishes this way, 20 points, 10 rebounds, five assists and over 40% from three. So the three-point shooting is definitely one. And then the playmaking, the playmaking has been incredible, man. His assist to usage ratio from last year to this year, he was in the 50th percentile last year. This year he's in the 89th percentile. It's making his teammates better. And that was one of the things I was looking for. He's got to make winning plays and he's been doing that. Insane improvement. I mean, look, this guy was always a player, but he really something unlocked this year that was really different. And when you say baseline efficiency, I think of Mello because that's Mello's bread and butter. Right. right. 
it, it, it's crazy, man, because uh, I hate to compare guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, I mean, right. Those offensive bag is, is was so filthy, but right, right. <laughs> Julius, it's very close, man. It's very close when you see what he's able to accomplish out there in the court. It's not perfect. Still has to work on, you know, executing out of the double and triple teams and the zone coverage because he's going to see a lot of that, especially as they go into the playoffs. But we were looking for him to make winning plays. He's doing that. He bought into Tibbs' system as the leader of the team. That was critical because I felt like that's flowed down to everybody else from one through 15. If you listen to every interview that he's done, he's praised Tibbs as the coach he wants to play for, the coach that he wanted a coach to hold him accountable. You know, these guys aren't afraid of accountability. And so yes. this is why this team is winning games. They have bought in from one to 15 and Julius is setting the tone. Tibbs coach of the year thus far. I think Quinn Snyder definitely is, is at the top of the list. I think you have to give Monty Williams some credit as well. Tibbs is right there. I would not be shocked if he got it. I would love to see him get it. Like I said, just think about the, the improvements that this team has made from last year to this year. 23rd in defense to now top five. You know, these guys fourth in the East with the lowest payroll. This was basically David Fisdale's team. Yes, Quickly's come in and he's been a spark. Derrick Rose has been a spark. Taj has given him a spark. Nerlens Noel, another one. Alec Burst has, has contributed. But the, these are guys on one-year deals and a rookie. You know, yeah. Tibbs has got these guys clicking on all cylinders, man. And like I said, they have all bought in. And so for him to be able to achieve that fourth in the East with the lowest payroll in the league, for a team that many didn't expect to be here, he definitely needs to be in that conversation and receive votes. For anybody to be great in anything, for any team to be great, it's the compound effect, right? We got Le we got Leon, we got Worldwide West, we got Julius Randle, we got Tibbs. Yeah. What do you think of all of that? Who, who gets the most credit here? I, I still got to go with Tibbs, man. Wow, okay. Because... The defense, as I said, the defense is, is really what's been the, the, the catalyst for yeah. this team to go out and have a chance to win every night. It's been that good. And that's him. Like I said, this, this David Fisdale had the, had the same exact chance with these guys, and it was just a cluster. And Tibbs has these guys organized. He has them prepared. This is, that's the words that they always use with him. He's prepared every night like none other. And he has them locked in on the defensive end. Then I got to go Julius, obviously, because his improvement in play has been, he's an all-star. Definitely have to go with Julius because he's, he's making his team better. Leon Rose absolutely deserves credit because if you look at all the guys that he's brought in, you know, Nerlens Noel, one year, $5 million. Alec Burks, I think, is making one year between 6 to $8 million. Going out and going to get Derrick Rose off, off the, you know, for scraps. Second round pick and Dennis Smith Jr., who you weren't going to use anyway. And the, the uh, impact that Derrick Rose has had on this team, on the second unit, it can't be understated. So Leon definitely deserves that credit. As I said, you know, Back in the early 2000s, we were always slammed for being the worst team with the highest payroll, especially during the Isaiah years. Now we're top four in the East, lowest payroll. Got to give Leon Rose some credit there. Let's take it back, man. KD and Kai decided to team up in Brooklyn. What are your thoughts on that? I, I've heard it before, but for my listeners, man, I want to I hear your thoughts for them. Man, I, I, was, I was crushed. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I was crushed okay. because... 
I, I swore that I was not going to fall for the media hype like I did the summer LeBron. I was I was bought in hook, line, and sinker. You couldn't tell me nothing that he wasn't coming to New York. I, I believed it. I was bought in. When they said the decision was going to be in, in Greenwich, right, in Boys and Girls Club, right behind the Knicks practice facility, I said, oh, this is obvious. You know, he's he's coming. And then, you know, they, they ripped the wind right off our sails. He goes oh, to our man, arch yeah. rivals. He goes to Riley and, and I was devastated. And so the Katie thing, once again, hit fever pitch. I'm talking to beat writers, this beat writer said, oh no, these guys in the locker room, they say it's New York, it's New York, it's the Knicks, it's obvious. And then, you know, it's, it's the Nets. And so <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I was hurt by it, man. I'm not gonna lie, I was devastated. You know, I try to justify by saying with the Achilles, oh, he might not be the same anyway, but He's the same, bro. Did you watch tonight or you were probably busy working on the podcast? I heard he dropped 40 and 10. Uh, Absolutely. It was was easy. Yeah. He's easy 40 and 10. Easy money sniper is his name for a reason. Easy money sniper. But, (laughs) you know, to be honest with you, bro, I just I really didn't think that they wanted to uh, to deal with the pressure in New York. He said it himself on the record. He said, I didn't want to be the savior of the Knicks. And so I felt like. He chose Brooklyn's for the same reason that LeBron James chose LA to kind of further their business ventures. He's got 35 ventures out here with him and Rich Kleiman. New York, Brooklyn is, is turning into it. There's a tech hub building in Brooklyn as well. So he can, you know, do his thing, still be in New York, but kind of slide under the radar with the Nets where if you win, cool. But if you lose, cool. With the Knicks, it's not like that, man. It's heavy as the head that wears the crown. It's a lot of pressure involved in it. And he just didn't want it. They yeah. I, and neither did, I don't think Kyrie wanted that either. So they they chose the Nets. I'm seeing Mike James do so well for the Nets. I mean, he was always a legit NBA player. For those that don't know, I mean, there are borderline guys who play overseas, but he's not one of them. He was always legit. Yeah. And I heard Knicks rumors before he even got to the Nets. Right? They did. They were interested in Mike James. They ended up. Uh, they're close to signing Luca Vildoza. Uh, yeah i saw so yeah he's tough so they're close to there but they were interested in mike james recent reports had said that they were a little bit concerned with the locker room issues i think i believe there was a report that his old coaches with his team in russia kind of aired him out a little bit on the negative side so wow maybe it was a chance that the nets could afford to take because obviously they have championship aspirations and if he's not working out with them they can just get him out of here and, and you know won't impact them so just another guy but you know it just seems like with the nets it's it's that heat effect when you have those dominant big three everybody else falls in line and their games all automatically elevate when you look at mike james nick claxton bruce brown um uh tyler johnson you know those guys are all playing well for the nets because they just play their role they play their role flawlessly around that that big three whenever they can get back on the court together but it's it's a hard it's a hard team to stop man they're going to be unstoppable in the playoffs yep for sure. I love Mike James' game. I mean, the Nets are doing what they have to do. But for the Knicks roster, I mean, it's not perfect, right? It's not perfect. Some shooting issues at the point guard position. Um, well, it made it a lot better that RJ and Julius are shooting the ball so much better. In the modern NBA, it's great to have five guys who could shoot that three, right? We've yeah. seen the Raptors win like that. We've seen other teams win like that. What roster moves would you like to see them make in the immediate future? I know you got to enjoy the moment and enjoy the success, but any team that wants to be great always has to get better. So what kind of roster changes would you like to see made? Point guard immediately, immediately point guard. You know, that's no disrespect to Alfred Payton. They got him here in a one-year deal, $5 million. To me, I've always viewed him as a backup point guard. We have to solidify the point guard of the future. It's too much patchwork 
plug and play. We've been doing that for 20 years, man. We we haven't, well, since Felton. Felton to me was the last steady hand that we had at the point. Honestly, we just have had no stability there. And, and I think it, it's impacting us. I want to see a guy that can, yes, create some offense for us, get Julius some easier shots, get RJ for some easier shots, actually look to them and not have tunnel vision, but also a guy that can get some shots off off ball. You know, when Julius and RJ creating, give give them an outlet a reliable three-point threat. And so I think Lonzo's a, a, a worthy option. You know, I like I Lonzo's, Lonzo's game a lot. CP. Yeah, I, I think Lonzo's definitely a worthy option. Will defend for you, can shoot the three for you. May not get to the to, to the line or attack the rim as much as Tibbs likes, but I think Lonzo could be a steady hand for them. Uh, you could look in the draft, whether it's uh, Trey Mann, you know, out of Florida. You know, Josh Giddy just came out from down in the NBL in Australia. Yep. Although I think he... You, you never know with the draft. They may give him some Lamelo type of hype and he may end up in the lottery. You know, Knicks are now looking at around 22-23 between their pick and the Dallas pick. So it, it's going to be kind of tough. But point guard is definitely one. And at the three, I'd like to upgrade at the three. If we could keep Bullock and put him on the bench, that would be ideal. Obviously, the big shark in the water is going to be Kawhi Leonard in, in this uh, free agent offseason. Don't think we have a chance at him. But, you know, it would be nice. You know what I mean? But yeah. if now you look at the draft, maybe a BJ Boston, or maybe you move RJ to the three and, and you go book night out of UConn. Um, so they, they'll have some options there. They have four draft picks in this draft. I don't think they'll field all four, but the first two will be late, say early 20s. It's interesting you mentioned BJ Boston because he's of that same formula as uh... – Emmanuel quickly, you know, he could be a better NBA player than he was at the college level, slightly disappointing season, but I think he will be, I think he will be that. I think he has true potential. And when you're one of those guys that are just one of the top in your class coming out of high school, you always have that chance to be great. Like look at Michael Porter jr. People were a little bit lower on him that with the injuries, but now we see what he could do. Um, Underrated point guard for the Knicks, by the way, he was a little bit past his prime. Jason Kidd, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kidd, Kidd was the straw that stirred that whole Knicks tape. He was the right. straw that stirred the whole thing. At times, they were starting Kidd and Raymond Felton just to get a bit more ball yeah. going. Kidd was great. And he had that outside shot working in the beginning of the season, kind of tapered off later. He was like 40 years old at that point. So, but And still good, right? Great. Still Kidd, tough. Still good. still good. Kidd was great for us, man. I, I love that <laughs> Knicks tape team, bro. All right, let's take it back before we get out of here. We have to take it back. I mentioned Jason Kidd. We could take it all the way back or anywhere with the Knicks. Who would be your all-time Knicks starters? Oh, man. All right, I got to go Clyde first. Okay. That's, that, that's just a legend, the OG. Never got to see him play, obviously, but I've met him. Class guy. He's a relic in Knicks Nation, man. We we, we got to give Clyde his flowers every time we get a, a chance because there's never going to be another Clyde. So I got to go Clyde first. Number two, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I'll go OGs, but I'll go with some of the guys that I saw as well. I'm going to go H2O with the two, man. One of the purest shooters that I've ever seen and gave us a lot of memories, man, especially in that 9-9 run, whether it was the Houston series, the Indiana series. Houston came up big, man. He, he was a filthy shooter, dropped 50 points on Kobe and the Lakers, and, and he was just a steady hand. I'm going to go Houston at the two. Okay. At the three, I'm going to go Bernard. I'm going Bernard at three. You have to go Bernard. Obviously, you missed him in his prime, but one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. You got to go to Bernard King. True and true. Brooklyn boy. Number 30. The original 30. Bernard King has to be at the three. Number four, I'm going Mello easily. I'm going Mello at the four. You could go a lot of ways, right? He, obviously, you could go Willis Reed. Uh, maybe you want to go Mace. You want to go, you want to go Oakley. I would, I would go Mace over Oakley, but definitely Mello at the four. 
I have a feeling who you're going with number five. I have a feeling. Oh, easy. You know? easy. Five, five <laughs> is automatic, man. 33 is, is going in there. So I'm going, I'm going Walt. I'll go Houston, Bernard, Mello, Patrick Ewing. I think that's a filthy team right there, bro. CP, that's a great five, bro. Uh, you're Ooh, always welcome back. You're always welcome back on the show. This was awesome. Um, I really appreciate your work and what you're doing for the Knicks. And uh, talk soon, man. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Um, YouTube.com slash KnicksFanTV or KnicksFanTV.com. I definitely appreciate it, Andrew. Who's, who's your five, though? I want to hear, hear your five. Man, that sounded pretty good. I didn't. I had a feeling you weren't going to say Bernard, and I was going to get on you, but you no, got him. No, no, no. You got. He's he's right here. He's right here, man. But you got to have Bernard. Me, so Bernard, I mean, exactly. your five was awesome, man. It's it. Oh man, is there anybody I could get in there that? Man, that five is good. I mean, you could go Pearl at the two for sure. You could definitely yeah. go Pearl. Pearl. He just wasn't a Nick for that long, and I just I want to go with some of the plays that I saw too, just to kind of mix that in. Yeah, well, I, how about this? How about this? If Jason Kill was in his prime, who do you go between him and Walt? Now, that's tough. I'm going, honestly, I, to be honest with you, I'm going Jason Kidd. Wow. Personally. Wow, wow, wow. It's just, I don't know what type of success we would have had with Kidd in his prime. You know what I mean? I don't think <laughs> I see what type of success we would have had. But at least with, with, with Clyde, you know, he was the game seven MVP of the finals, or the outstanding finals. Um, I still got to go Clyde. I still got to go Clyde, man. So, he, yeah, who, who who would be like the sixth, seventh man on the team? Like, wait, we got uh, who? Mason could be in there, right? Definitely. Mason definitely could be Mason. in there. Uh, John Starks, just Earl. for what he did for New York. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Got to go Starks. And I, and I know I must be missing some of the guys from the 70s team that could have been in that mix too, right? Sure. Willis. Willis. That's right. Oh, yeah, Willis, definitely. Yeah. 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 The, way he limped, the way he limped on and, and you know. Warrior, man. Yeah. Warrior. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I would. Yeah. You got Pearl, Willis. Stocks, you know, maybe Sprewell, Mason. Porzingis, backup five? No, 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 no. <laughs> he wasn't here that long. No, it wasn't. We didn't have good memories of him. He wasn't here that long, man. No, he's out of there, man. <laughs> he might be out of Dallas soon. You know what I mean? Bar Cuban's airing out all the tea. I, I don't know if you heard, man. Yeah, what's up? What's up? What's going on, man? I, I don't know, but he's he's certainly not what, selling. Basically saying that Porzingis and Luca, it's a business-only relationship, so... I mean, look, here's one thing, though, before we get out of here. I'll tell you, CP, you could tell this Knicks team has a lot. You cannot fake that. They have a lot of fun playing basketball yeah. together. And that's why they're winning. That's yeah. part of it. That's part yeah. of it. Playing for each other, playing for the coach. No doubt about it, man. CP, man, you're always welcome back on the show. Let's do this again soon, man. Yeah, man, I had a lot of fun. Thanks a lot for having me, Andrew. Definitely and appreciate it. Anytime, bro. Talk soon. All right, man. Take care. Thank you for tuning into Combo's Court Podcast. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. And big thanks to CP for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you listen to Combo's Court. And share this episode with a friend. Share it with a friend. Share it on social media. It helps Combo's Court tremendously. Be on the lookout for episode 263. Combo out.